right, we're talking golf here with one of our favorites. He covers the sport, and uh, he is on the forefront of breaking more golf news than just about anybody. Uh, and uh, he does it on a daily business for the Sports Business Journal. Our good friend Josh Carpenter is with us here on the Big 550. Josh, thanks so much for spending time with us again here on the Big 550 in St. Louis. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great, Brendan. It's, uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, so much to talk about here and you know, so many different directions to go. You know, We were talking off the air here a second ago. It's another day and another tournament that Rory McIlroy's playing in over uh, with, with the DP World Tour, another event with, uh, I believe they're in Dubai for a, for a second straight week. This is, uh, I think, a full field event over there. But my goodness, Rory, these days, Josh, it's hard to keep up with his train of thought, and it's hard to keep up with what his position is in the world of golf because it seems to change on a daily basis, and this is a guy that the golf-viewing public, they turn to for his opinion because he's one of the most prominent players in the world, and I feel like he has been swept up in this so much that there's just no consistency in his opinion right now. Yeah, I mean, I think you could, I guess it depends on how you look at it. I think, you know, we've certainly seen him kind of soften his stance. I don't even know if I'd necessarily say that he softened his stance on live golf. Like, you know, if I forget when it was. It's been the last six months or a year or sometime. He came out and he said that basically if you were, you know, if live golf was his, if there were two opportunities, one was to never play golf again, and the other was to play live golf, he would choose to never play golf again. <laughs> He's never really come out and said that, like, like, listen, I don't anticipate him joining live golf. I think what he's done is he's realized that with the way these negotiations are going between the PGA Tour and, you know, this new strategic sports group and Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, that, you know, it, it certainly looks like live live or at least team golf in some form is going to be part of the fabric of golf going forward, which is not what everyone thought when this framework deal was announced in June, right? Everyone thought that or a lot of people kind of jumped to the assumption, myself included, that live would kind of just go away. And so I think, I think that's kind of what you're seeing from Rory. Uh, yeah, it is, it is somewhat, you know, shocking and seemingly every day you see a new comment or not every day, it's every week, probably you see more, talk about a global tour and, uh, you know, some team involvement, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I can't help but think that, you know, Rory was on the policy board of the PGA Tour for so long. He was in some of these uh, conversations for, for so, you know, so many hours. Um, it's not a stretch. I don't think to say that some of the stuff that he's suggesting might be stuff that was discussed in some of those meetings. Maybe it's something that we see implemented. So, um but it's really hard to say. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, I mean, uh, Rory has really come out and kind of softened his stance on, you know, team golf uh, being more implemented throughout throughout the year on the golf calendar. And it's funny we hear so much about this team golf concept, Josh. It's, it's like one of these things where it, it, it appears like it's, it's going to happen in one shape or another, and it's something that literally no one is asking for other than the live bots that you see on Twitter every now and then that uh, get up all uh, get all up in your business about uh, about what their stance is and it's very clear what their stance is and it's not to say that that team golf couldn't have a place but 
I just don't get a sense there is any type of realistic demand for it, other than the Ryder Cup, which is one of the greatest events in all the sports. But there's a reason why it happens once every other year and not, you know, once a month. Like you get a sense they they want to do with uh, with 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 some sense of a global tour and team golf intertwined. Yeah, I think, you know, the great thing about the Ryder Cup and, you know, the PGA Tour is really trying to build up the President's Cup, you know, see the right. Solheim Cup with the LBGA is that, you know, those are once-a-year events, right? Yep. So, to your point, it's, it's the same, like, everyone loves the Masters because there's so little of it, right? Um, similar with, with those big team events. I do think, you know, I, I, I don't know that anyone is clamoring for a bunch of team golf. I think it can work if they do it the right way, but it can't, I, I don't know that it needs it to be every week. Um, you know, I, I just don't know that it needs to be every week, but it, I think it can be additive if you do it, you know, six or eight times a year. I think Rory suggested, you know, following some sort of cricket model, which I've never watched one cricket match, so don't, don't hold me to that and expect me to, <laughs> to, to break down cricket for you. But, um, I, you know, I think there's a model that, you know, maybe it, it adds some intrigue if there's a, you know, a team element to it. Um, but again, I think, you know, a handful of times throughout the year, maybe, and not, you know, you look at a full PGA Tour schedule that's, gosh, 40 weeks. I don't think anyone's asking for 40 weeks of team golf. But if you had to have something that, that adds a little bit of intrigue, I mean, I don't think anyone would say no to that. Right. There, there certainly would be a, a, a way to do it. Um, I think the way Liv has done it has hasn't worked because the teams don't play together. It's I, I see, Josh, uh, if you're combining individual stroke play golf and trying to intertwine that with team golf, and especially when the teams aren't playing together, each hole they're spread throughout the course, there's just nothing, there's nothing fun or intriguing about that other than, oh, there's a scoreboard that says, you know, whatever the fireballs or the smash or whatever all the goofy team names are on live, uh, somebody's winning, somebody's losing. You don't get – that's what the Ryder Cup brings. The teams play together, and I think you'd have to find a way to separate individual and team golf from one another. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, you know, I, I'll say in defense of live, like they have – you know, it adds an element of on a Sunday a guy who's not necessarily in contention if, if his – you know, let's say in a stroke play format, if his score still really matters to that team winning an overall competition, like that does add a layer of, of entry. Um, you know, late on a Sunday, let's say he's 15 shots behind the individual, you know, stroke play competition winner. Right. Um, but if he's still keeping his team in the mix by, by playing his own ball and that sort of thing, that, that adds a little bit for me. So, but I agree, like when Liv first started, I kind of assumed, you know, the teams would be playing together because that's what I associate team golf with is, a Ryder Cup, a President's Cup, right. a Solheim Cup, where the teams are out there together. They're building off of each other, you know, that team uniform and, and the pageantry and all that stuff that you see in a Ryder Cup. So it's taken me a little bit to get used to, to live from a team, you know, standpoint like that. And, you know, they've, they've tweaked their format a little bit, and they've had some weeks where the teams play together. Um, and I'm sure they'll continue to do that, you know, as, as we move forward. We're visiting with Josh Carpenter, covers golf for the Sports Business Journal here on the Big 550 KTRS. And Josh, I I firmly believe the PGA Tour has a good product. I also firmly believe they don't know how to necessarily uh, present you their great product. And we were I was talking to you before we started uh, about last week at the Sony Open. 
And you know, here's a scenario where the the, the two um, you know first first two rounds Thursday and Friday full field has a cut. Thursday, the most dramatic thing about a Thursday is who's the first round leader. Well, their television window on Golf Channel ends at 9:30 Central. I think they hung with it for maybe a couple of extra minutes, but then pull away with first round leader Cam Davis with about three and a half holes left to play, as he was the first round leader, leaving you completely clueless as to how it would end. Because in fact, when 10 o'clock hits, they will go ahead and replay the the coverage they just had on for the last four hours while live golf is still happening. And then they, then they do the same thing Friday with a very exciting cut that went down to the final final stroke of Joel Damon missing a four-foot birdie yep. to keep the cut at two. And if he makes the birdie, it goes to three and eliminates like 15 golfers from the tournament. I mean, that is an exciting part of your event. It's an intrigue. It's an, it's a, it's, it's what makes golf different than say any other sport where you're waiting until the very end of the game to find a winner. Well, there are a lot of winners and losers determined just by the cut on Friday. And here's the PGA tour and their television partners basically telling you, we don't care how this ends because we're not going to show you it live. In fact, they don't have any video coverage of Damon's putt because there was no coverage of it. Yeah, I think, you know, and as, like, as, as you and I were saying, like, I haven't seen a, a golf media contract. I don't know, you know, how it differs from an NBA TV contract where it specifically says in there, hey, you're staying for the end of the game. Right. Um, because it is so finite, right? Like, an NBA game ends and that's the end and yep. it's done and there's no continuation of it the next day. Whereas a golf tournament, um, you know, and, and the scenario you're explaining there, like, there, there is no next day for those guys who missed the cut for whatever reason. Uh, so it's one of those things, Brendan, that I'm, I'm thinking about a lot as it relates to this PGA Tour enterprises and what happens, you know, if this, this deal between the Saudis and the strategic sports group and the tour goes together. is like if they have $7 billion at their disposal, what happens to these TV contracts, which currently are locked in through 2030? So we've got another you know, seven years of those. Right. If there's seven billion dollars, you know, at their disposal, how does that change? Uh, you know, what the TV product looks like, whether it be on NBC or CBS or Golf Channel or some, you know, PGA Tour TV down the road. You know, um, do they make it so that that coverage is staying on, like you see at the Open Championship? Right. It's it's what everyone loves about it. You're watching on Thursday. It's 10.30 at night over in Europe, you know, and there's a guy finishing out. There's two people in the stands, and, and like, I love that. I love that. Yeah, exactly. And NBC always sticks with it until the last player is finished. So yep. maybe you start to see that, you know, with this influx of cash, you know, not only that in terms of keeping the windows, you know, open longer for the coverage, but what other ways, uh, you know, are the broadcasts enhanced? Um, whether it be through technology, whether it be you know audio, video, whatever, um, that's that's one thing that I'm really kind of keeping my eye on um, as these negotiations keep going. And it's and, and there are some cool innovations. I like the the drones that they had flying over the shots at, at Kapalua a few weeks ago. That was neat. But man, if if it costs you not using those drones 
to give me the 20 or 30 extra minutes to watch the end of it. I mean, it, it's it's one thing if they end the coverage. I know when they're in, like, Bermuda or they're doing one of the alternate events, sure, they're going to have a really tight window. You're going to miss, like, half of the tournament on the first two days. They'll show you maybe the back nine on Saturday and Sunday. That's understandable. But I think we go – I mean, I'm certainly somebody that says, you know, live feels nothing more than an exhibition. Well, if you're the PGA Tour and your television partners, you're you're treating the Sony last week as nothing more than a than a exhibition, and and I guess I'm in the minority here, uh, Josh, that gets so worked up over it. But if you actually if they actually did present that cut live, or they did hang around to see if Ken Davis makes a first round leader, I mean, how many more people are you keeping watching and engaged other than? I feel like they treat golf as this passive sport that if you're a golf fan, you're just going to tune in to see golf shots and you don't care about uh, what, where the this is line. leading. Yeah, exactly. You, you could care less about context. Let me see 20 good approach shots, a few good putts, and some good drives, and we'll call it a day. I feel like that's what they treat their product as. And it's like you've got a bunch of people that are engaged in your product and want to see context and want to see these things play out. And they just don't do it. Yeah, I mean it's it's a fair it's a fair point, you know. Um, and it goes to it goes to that point again. Not to go back to how much we were discussing beforehand, but you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? Right. Sure, yep. Yeah. Is it uh, you know based on the viewership totals? Is it worth it to hang around for an extra from a production cost standpoint? Is it worth it to hang around for an extra thirty minutes of the Sony Open in the middle of January on Friday? Right. Um, you know, there was a really Friday at Sony with Joel missing that putt and keeping a bunch of guys in it. That was very intriguing, right? But if if uh, you know if that scenario didn't play out and and Joel birdies that and and whatever and and it's just a normal cut, you know, are we having this conversation? Right, probably um, not. You know, I don't know. So it's it's one of those things that the networks you know have to think about. You know, we've seen all those sort of, sort of reports about NBC. And, you know, some cost-cutting that they might be right. going through and, and that sort of thing as it, as it pertains to, to golf. So um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. But like I said, it's really something I'm kind of eyeing as this, these negotiations go about with the tour and the Saudis and the strategic sports group. I will say on top of it, the fact that you've got the ESPN Plus coverage, which is the PGA Tour Live, uh, and the Golf Channel coverage happening at the same time, you'd almost think, okay, the PGA Tour live coverage where, I mean, quite honestly, I, I bought it long ago when it was a property of NBC. I, I still buy it now with ESPN+. And I understand that's more of a bundle yep. situation. But for those folks that pay for the PGA Tour live, and maybe you don't use as many cameras, I, I, you cut back your production in, in that sense. But, man, wouldn't that be something, even if even if you, you, you cut the cameras in half, that would be some place to go and say, hey, we're going to cover this until the very end, and maybe we can't show you every shot, uh, but at least we can do more than say nothing. I, I also think part of the problem is the broadcasters and the production itself, they don't know how to cover the cut because many times they don't know how it works. Um, and, and, and people may think I'm joking, but if you listen to how they talk about the cut a lot the broadcasters don't know how it works and they don't know how it moves and they assume the cut's going to stay in one place um that's a problem when you can't talk about your product and you can't talk about your sport 
intelligently and how it works uh, that takes away from the viewer's experience. Yeah, I mean, certainly you want to have guys who are informed about what's going on. Uh, that's the kind of you know baseline for any for any telecast. So yeah, you, yeah. you definitely want to. Well, you definitely want to have that. Uh, Josh Carpenter with us covers the the sport of golf for the Sports Business Journal. So I mean, television ratings for the Sony up a little bit. It it did sound like uh, Josh and again going up against the NFL playoffs last weekend. Where I'm going to be most interested in. And uh, it's a few weeks away, but for these, for the no-cut events that are on the way, like Pebble, I think um, these, uh, the the signature events, which I think they're calling them now, uh, are those ratings impacted adversely uh, relative to the full fields that we've seen? Um, maybe they won't be, but um, I'm, I'm be very curious to see how some of those uh, some of those tournaments look year over year. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, last year with the with the elevated events, uh, they all did pretty well from a rating standpoint. Now, again, they had cuts, so they right. were just higher purses, and they did still have some cuts. Um, you know, not having the cuts, obviously the idea there is, okay, you don't have a cut, so you guarantee that a Jordan Speeds is going to be there on the weekend. Right. Um, you know, so yeah, it, what, it, what it really comes down to is having big names and intriguing golf coming down the stretch. So, you know, even having no cut, like, that's not necessarily going to guarantee that if the 68th-ranked player is running away with a tournament on, on Sunday. Even if a Jordan Spieth's in the field on Sunday and he's finishing at noon because he teed off at 7, like, that's probably not going to juice the ratings too much. Um, I don't know if it'll have an adverse effect. I mean, golf ratings kind of are what they are. I mean, yeah. you see the spikes if certain guys are in contention. I mean, they're really still, like, two or three noodle, needle movers and golf, they're Tiger, uh, Rory, and Spieth. Those are kind of the ones that still get people jacked up, you know, when, uh, when it, you know, coming down the stretch on a Sunday. Even Spieth, you know, as we get further away from Spieth's last major win and kind of going nuts on everyone, you know, he was very in the mix at Kapalua a couple weeks ago, and their ratings were basically flat from, from the year prior. So, um, you know, in a major, certainly, of speeds in the mix there. Like, I think you're very likely to see, you know, big number increases. But, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. Brandel Chambly on the uh, broadcast this weekend for the Amex. Any chance he sticks as one of their uh, lead analysts as they try to fill in for, uh, try to fill the spot left by Paul Azinger? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a possibility. I mean, Brandel's always been someone I thought who is really well spoken and does a does a great job. He's very opinionated on the analyst desk on a studio show, right? Um, it's very different from being, you know, in the 18th Tower calling live golf shots. Um, I think he's done it before. And I, have to, I, I can't remember exactly. I'm pretty sure Brandel's done it here and there before, so it's not something totally new to him. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, if he comes on and kills it, people love him. And, um, you know, yeah, why, why wouldn't NBC, uh, you know, keep him on? Um, you know, it does seem like they're still going to rotate some guys through this year. Obviously, you saw Kevin Kisner a couple weeks ago, uh, Brandel this week. You know, I reported about a month ago, uh, Jeff Ogilvie's been kind of in the mix of someone who they might see call some of their bigger events. Uh, you know, they have the players, obviously. Right. They have the U.S. Open, the Open Championship. So, um, yeah, certainly they're going to probably go with, with whoever... Um, 
I don't want to say drives the most conversation on social media because that's not always <laughs> the best, right. you know, gauge of, you know, is it good conversation, is it bad conversation? But I think I think Brandel will get a fair shake. And um, I've always really liked Brandel's opinions. You know, that's what you need. That's, I think that's why everyone liked Johnny Miller so much, right? Like, he was so sharply critical of guys. Yeah. Uh, but he would also praise praise players at the same time um, and could break things down. So I think that's why he was so successful and so good at that job. So, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to see what they how Brandel does this weekend and, and who else they kind of get into the mix uh, later on this, this spring and this fall. And to wind it down, Josh, I feel like you know, no matter if, if uh, whenever we get this unification between the PIF and, and the PGA Tour, one thing that I think is lost forever, regardless of uh, maybe a reconciliation, would have been Phil Mickelson in the booth for one of these networks, which was talked about for a long time, and I think as much as I am very disappointed in, in Phil's trajectory here over the years, he was set to be, one. I think, one of the great uh, sports commentators out there because I, he was going to step in and CBS or NBC, one of the two, if this split doesn't happen. And I, I don't see he, how he ever uh, takes that spot now. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I would, I would still love to see that. Me too. I'd love to see it. Right? I mean, you remember, I still vividly remember him when uh, when he came on the CBS at uh, TPC Harding Park in 2020, I think it was, uh, during that COVID PGA and called and called some golf for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, he's fantastic in the booth, right? We'd all love to see that. So, you know, who knows, who knows if, if this unification does happen, uh, maybe everyone kisses and makes up. And, <laughs> maybe. And maybe, we do, maybe we do see Phil on a, on a broadcast in, you know, five or ten years. Who knows? But... Um, I, for one, would would love that. I mean, the, the guy I mean, you see Phil break down just his analytical mind and how he thinks about the game. There's a video of him explaining to David Faraday. It's like a little two minute video of him explaining what goes into hitting a wet shot. Just every look, like so many thoughts go into that. So I think Phil would be fantastic uh, on a television broadcast, and, and that would be you talk about a, a ratings juicer. Like yeah. if people know that Phil's on a broadcast, they're going to watch. No question um, about but it. I think if, if it if it comes about, that'd be that'd be great to see. Josh Carpenter covers golf for the Sports Business Journal at sportsbusinessjournal.com or on Twitter X at Josh A. Carpenter. Josh, it's always a pleasure, man. Uh, great conversation. Thank you for joining us here on the show. All right, Brendan. Look forward to uh, to talking to you next time.